0: Hi, I'm Chris McBride, a Gen Xer, and the pop culture from my generation is awesome.
1: And I'm Yance Eaton, a millennial, and the pop culture from my generation is dope. Episode 39, Airplane Movie Review. <laughs>
0: Chris McBrien here, along with Yancey, as always, as Pop Goes Your World. Uh, Yancey, we're going to be talking about one of my favorite movies of all time tonight. But before I do that, I just wanted to mention something quickly, if I could. We've mentioned uh, here on the show, you know, last couple weeks and, you know, time and time again, uh, about some of the things that we got going on in our lives. And I was mentioning I'm going to be going to see ZZ Top. And I would just like to say, hey, I'm making it official here. You know who I'm going to go see ZZ Top with? None other than our good friend. Caveman himself, Derek Myers from the show. You know, very nice. We, we, we've had two him time on, guests. yeah, two-time yeah. guest. He's been on. He did the remake show and he did the Easter Egg show with us. He's going to go and see ZZ Top with me, so I'm pretty excited about that. Derek's a great guy. Uh, he and I have been friends for about 20 years, and I'm really looking forward. I don't get a chance to see him very much anymore, um, but uh, yes, yeah, so we're going to go together and go and see ZZ Top. So I'm really, really excited about that. So I just wanted to share that with everybody. So I hope that's,
1: that's cool. awesome. So when exactly is that concert? Because I feel like the anticipation is building up for me just as much for you. you yeah, I mean? well, the- well,
0: it should because remember. Originally, <laughs> if you remember originally, I invited you to get on a plane and flying up here and come to Canada Correct. and go. But, you know, you can't do that, uh, which I understand. Um, it's actually on June the 3rd. It's it, The concert's going to be at Casino Rama, which is here in northern, uh, in, not northern, but it's in central Ontario in, in, a, in a city called Aurelia, just outside of Aurelia. There's like this casino there and that's where they're going to be playing. It's going to be huge and it's going to be a great time. We've got great seats. Really, really looking forward to that. So um, anyway, are you ready to get started? I am more
1: than ready. Let's do this. All right, let's go. <laughs> I don't want to get a whole bunch of hate mail and stuff. I think Jaws is one of the greatest movies ever made. Have you seen it, Chris? It was awesome. And I literally lost it. Night of the Living Dead. That movie literally terrified me. People were running out of the theater. Wait, what?
0: See, I'm young, I'm hip, and I speak the language of the streets. Yes, word okay so this week we throw things back and forth week to week of course uh, this week was was my turn to throw a movie at you so i decided i wanted you to to watch one of my favorite comedies of all time and that movie is airplane the 1980 classic comedy so i'm gonna just gonna start us right off with just the easy question yancy you watched airplane for the very first time what did you
1: think Okay, uh just as a little bit of a spoiler, Chris and I we I've mentioned this before, we don't like to talk about movies or anything that we're gonna talk about on that show beforehand. No. Uh, in this case though, I could not resist. Chris was at work. I had gotten off early that afternoon and I was watching it, and I just had to tweet or not I'm sorry, not tweet, but just text him multiple times, just line after line and taking screenshots and send them to him. It was this movie was a lot funnier. Um, believe it or not, I wasn't expecting this, but I actually thought it was a lot funnier than Blazing Saddles was. Oh, yeah. and, and if you remember when we did our
0: episode on our funniest movies ever, I had Blazing Saddles 2, but I had Airplane number one. Mm-hmm. I agree. Okay. Airplane is funnier.
1: Yep. Yep. You're right. So I I, I thought overall um, it was, from top to bottom, just a, a funnier film. I think they're very, very similar where it felt like they were these writers just had a bunch of little jokes and there's a lot of puns and there's just you know there's there's props and there's a lot of things going on it they kind of felt the same in that sense but i think airplane from start to finish not to take anything away from blazing saddles but it just did the same thing but much much better. Does that make sense?
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. So a little bit of history on this. So this and, and this is gonna be an interesting take tonight because you know you've seen it once and I've seen mm-hmm. this movie probably a bazillion times. Like I mean, I just love this movie. I love it so so much. Um, so so the directors. There's three directors of this movie. You probably. You know, saw that. I don't know Jim Abrams, David Zucker, Jerry Zucker. So, and they went on to do things like Hot Shots and Top Secret, the Naked Gun movies, that kind of thing. So, just as a little bit of history of this. So, when they were going to university together, they started this theater group, and it was called Kentucky Fried Theater. And you know, they did sketch comedy. Now, here is the thing. Okay, so unlike millennials, like yourself, no, no offense, but I mean, you guys have so much at your disposal when it comes to being creative. If you and I decide, hey, you know what we'd like to do? Let's get on a microphone and. Uh, do a, a podcast hey guess what we can do that and we're doing that yep. right now there's it,
1: very little barrier to entry very
0: yeah. very little and the, the, the playing field is very leveled and like heck it nowadays you, on your phone i could take a video there's i have easy access to software to edit that video and i have a place to distribute that video on somewhere like youtube so i mean there's there's opportunities for me to you know for us to get stuff out for if you want to be creative Back in the seventies, that wasn't the case, right? So there was this underground comedy movement that was going on right across the country, right? And these were people who were very, very creative, and they had an outlet, and they wanted to do this kind of stuff. But the problem is, the studios didn't want anything to do with these guys. The studio system was was just kind of getting revolutionized in the seventies, you know, early seventies with stuff like Easy Rider and stuff like that. The, the the studio system kind of collapsed, right? But up until then, like like still, you you couldn't just make a movie. You didn't you didn't have access to a studio or all the that equipment and stuff like that. So there was underground comedy movements right across the country, things like Second City in Chicago or or National Lampoon's a good example, like Lemmings. So National Lampoon Lemmings that had guys like Belushi and you know Chevy Chase and guys like that that were involved mm-hmm. in it, and then also they had this Kentucky Fried Theater. So these guys were doing this, and that was Zaz. I'll call, refer to them as Zaz, okay? Like Zucker, Abram Zucker,
1: or all, as Oh my my my, or
0: as yeah A Z Z. You know, we'll call them Zaz for the you know our purposes. A child. Yeah, that's all good. Um, so then they they went on and they 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 said, hey, we want to film some of this stuff. Let's put together some of our favorite sketches, right? And what they would do is they would run at night, like a like a videotape recorder, at night and run it all night long and just record everything that was on TV. And in the morning they'd come, they'd play it, and they'd just see all the things that were on TV at night and they'd try and spoof it. So they'd try and spoof commercials and B-movies used to run late at night and all this stuff. And they mm-hmm. ended up putting it all together and they called it the Kentucky Fried Movie. And you should look it up, Yancy. you know, it was sort of an underground thing. Okay. And, and so anyway, so they did that. And the Kentucky Fried Movie was like, other people like John Landis was involved. And they had actors like, George Kennedy and Bill Bixby and George Lazenby, Donald Sutherland, all guys like that, right? And it's basically a parody. That movie was like a parody of exploitation movies and disaster films and kung fu movies and black exploitation films. But anyway, it, it gained a bit of a cult following, right? And, and the thing was, that gave them an opportunity to do more. So all of a sudden, they're like, hey, you know, we had a little bit of success with this Kentucky Fried movie. We're, you know, let's go back to the well once more. And basically, we have an idea. Let's do a full-length remake. Of a disaster movie. So one of the recordings that they had when they were recording at night was this movie from 1957 called Zero Hour. Okay, it's with Dana Andrews and Sterling Hayden. And basically, it's this B movie in black and white about a plane. You know, it's a flight where people on the, on the flight get food poisoning. And then they had to find a passenger to fly the plane. Probably sounds pretty familiar, huh, Yancy? And so, does, yes. so what they did was they went out and they bought the rights to this movie. And they decided they were going to do a shot for shot remake of zero hour and they start got started they started doing it and they realized well maybe this isn't such a good idea you know maybe instead what we'll do is we'll just spoof the movie and so that's what they did and that's why they play the movie so seriously in a lot of the scenes and they they shopped it to all the studios they got turned down by everybody until they got to Paramount. And um, based on what they've done with Kentucky Fried movie, um, they got greenlit by Michael Eisner, no less, who was at Paramount in those days. And He's at thing- Disney now, right? Yes, he is. The same Eisner. And okay. Yeah, same guy. And the only thing was is that Paramount insisted that they shoot this movie in color. And that was the only thing. that said, you got to shoot it in color. They wanted to shoot it in black and white like Zero Hour. So I know comedy is best when it's played straight, but this movie takes it to a whole new level. So what do you think about that?
1: It, it's one of those things where... I was immediately questioning like what characters were trying to be serious and like I, I, I didn't know if the joke in itself was that they were playing it straight or that I, I don't know the level of, uh, of actual self-awareness in this like in Blazing Saddles it's very apparent especially towards the second act of the of the movie where like they're in on it too and they even acknowledge as such like openly on the screen you know we work for Mel Brooks kind of thing um with this one like you said like they were playing it so straight the entire time where um I mean it's designed to be funny it is funny but they're not giving you anything. You know what I mean? Like they're not they're not letting you in on the secret that like they know that it's ridiculous, if that makes any sense.
0: Well, you know, even the actors that they hired. So they wanted to do this as straight as possible because, remember, they're trying to do a shot for shot remake at zero hour. So you take that in context, right? So the actors that they go, they go out and try and get all these like super serious actors. Like they got Robert Stack and Peter Graves and Lloyd Bridges, even Leslie Nielsen. And the thing is. You know, you probably know, most people listening know Leslie Nielsen as this, you know, comedic genius actor. But the thing was, at the the time of that movie, he was a serious Hollywood actor, mostly in B-movies. But it wasn't until after this movie that he reinvented himself as a comedic actor. You know, he was a serious guy up until that point.
1: See, I... I I actually, not to cut you off, but I didn't know that. Like I went into this just assuming naturally that Leslie Nielsen was the star and he was kind of doing all of the comedic heavy lifting. And it's not like that at all in this film. I was actually surprised, just like I mentioned with uh, with Gene Wilder in Blazing Saddles. I was surprised at how little Leslie Nielsen was actually in the movie and how little dialogue he actually had. I was expecting so much more from him. And I I thought this movie was basically like starring Leslie Nielsen. You know what I mean?
0: Well, because if you come into this knowing like the naked gun. For example, you think, okay, well, it's gonna be another one like that. Leslie Nielsen's the star of this movie, but it's not the case. Like I say, because up until that point, he was a serious actor in Hollywood, just like all those other guys. And it was a bit of a breakout role because he just did, nailed it so perfectly. I think a couple of them had trouble with it, with the idea, and didn't. Quite, the only one I think was Robert Stack. Robert Stack kind of got it. He's like, okay, I understand what we're trying to do here. And even mm-hmm. Leslie Nielsen. Leslie Nielsen was having trouble when he, they first brought him in to read and to do the first some of the first scenes. He was he was really struggling. So what they did was they sat him down and they said, here you go, watch Zero Hour, and they made him watch the movie, and he's like, got it. Okay, I know how to play this and there was not a problem from that point forward. He just mm-hmm. nailed it. And, and funny enough, you know me, I always like talk about like who the studio wanted and who they didn't cast and things like that. So when they came up with this idea and they pitched it to Michael Eisner and you know, he bought it and said, "Okay, we can do this." The studio wanted comedic actors, right? They they were said, "Well, you got to get Bill Murray and Chevy Chase to do this, right?" They also suggested Dom DeLuise to play the part of the doctor, to play Leslie mm-hmm. Newton's character, and they even suggested Barry Manilow would make a good Ted Striker. And uh. And you know, you know who actually came in to read. This is a good, here's a millennial connection for you. Guess who came in to read for the part of Ted Stryker? Bruce Jenner. As you, really? millenni- yes, as you millennials know, her, Caitlyn Jenner actually came in to read for the part of Stryker. So it was just amazing. No but I mean, the well, lo- the look cheaper. of the movie, like, it's just. What do you think of like just the, kind of the, the look, kind of the way it, way it's all
1: shot and done, and the way the scenes are. Done. What, just, what's your overall take? Um, from the way it's shot and everything, I when it first started out with the what was it like the uh, the airplane fin like cutting through the clouds and it's right. like the jaws theme or something very very yep. akin to the jaws theme it was spoof of
0: jaws at the beginning yep.
1: yeah so you know it's like a it almost you know it's, it's look, it looks like a dorsal fin like popping out like jaws and it's was like okay so this this seems like it's a little kooky and you know you see like the you know the opening sequence where they're at the airport and at first I wasn't paying attention fully. Like the movie just starts. So, you know, I'm kind of like sitting down. I have a notepad whatever. I take pages and pages of notes. You know this. And then I stumble through them and then I can't speak coherent thoughts while we're recording. So it's all for naught. But anyways, it's like I'm literally getting down. I'm not even fully engaged with the movie yet. And I have to rewind it because there's all these jokes going on over the PA. Like the you know the, the, the man and the woman are going back and forth. And, <laughs> that was the best. Was, when they're, like, where they're going wait, back wait, and wait. forth.
0: The white zone is for unloading and loading. No, that's the red zone and all that. Oh, my God. It was so funny, and then, and then, then they're like, "Don't tell me which which zone is for loading and which one's for." And he's like, "Look, don't you start up with your white zone again?" Yeah, and she's like, "Well, don't pretend that you don't know what this is about. You really want me to have an abortion?" Well, it's really the only the sensible thing to do. I mean, if it's done safely and therapeutically, and all this, it's like unbelievable. Yeah. So,
1: <laughs> Well, you're talking about with like film and and like the sets and stuff like that, I think it it goes back and forth to where. Um, if you were just glancing at one particular scene, uh, it looks like a real movie. The set looks like it's real. It looks like they're really on an airplane. It could be a serious drama or action film or whatever. But then they quickly jump back into something else that makes it completely outlandish. Like, for instance, uh, the autopilot is literally an inflatable freaking pilot. It is like a blow-up balloon who actually drives a plane. And which his is name's Otto. Really Otto cool. the other His name pilot. is Otto, which is very, very clever. Um, so, like, it jumps back and forth between, like you said, playing it straight and looking like an actual real movie to obviously being completely over the top. Like, where, uh, what, what's the main character's name? I forgot his name. Ted um, Stryker? Yeah, Stryker. Whenever Stryker's, you know, doing like flashbacks, there's lots of flashbacks in this movie the too, best, which is really yeah. funny. So, whenever he's, you know, describing flashbacks, he's like, oh, you know, I'm probably boring you. And it literally shows, like, the woman hanging herself. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, it, it does... Go to what you think is like this like this serious you know like backstory and like giving you some you know some uh inside information to like what's going on with him what his story is it immediately jumps back to being completely ridiculous you No, know, at one point like after he gets done talking a man is literally setting himself on fire well, yeah, you know, because stuff- it
0: comes back the one guy's like a skeleton it's just a sk- the first yeah. one. And then, yeah, the next guy, the guy setting himself up there. My favorite was the Japanese general who, like, eviscerates his guts with, with the sword. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny. Yeah, it's- and by the way, that guy, that actor was James Hong. He was in Big Trouble with Little China. Another movie I got to get you to watch. I have
1: was- seen him. Yeah. I He's David Lopez. He
0: was in Seinfeld, buddy. He was in the episode of Seinfeld where they're in the Chinese uh, restaurant. Remember yes. Seinfeld? Party of Four. Yes. That's-, that's him. Four. The same guy. But oh, they just keep ramping it up and all those different guys. Oh, I love it. Yeah.
1: You know, while we're talking about casting really quickly, you mentioned Robert Stack before. I mentioned this in a past episode of how um, one of my mom's favorite shows growing up was Unsolved Mysteries. Right. And as soon as I saw him, I had never seen him young like that. And I thought it was the same guy. So I had to go look it up. And, of course, it was. And it was just the voice, weird. like this, the voice. This six degrees of separation. You know right. what I mean? Like it's – you know I never would have known who he was. But the fact that we've done this show, like now I'm starting to th- see things like recurring. You know, they they say there's like the Jeopardy rule. Like anytime you learn something within like two weeks, you'll, you'll hear it as a Jeopardy question. Right. Um, I'm starting to get this where like we're seeing like some of the same actors and names and directors and movies like they're they're getting a lot of play on multiple episodes one thing I think was funny
0: so you are mentioned how it kind of looks like any other movie but in a way it doesn't because these guys are like from the Kentucky Fried Theater they have no idea how to make a movie when Zaz first started doing this if you look at the movie it's quite funny because if you'll notice it from a film perspective it's almost all wide shots very very few close-ups and mm-hmm. all the sets are like really hot lit like just hot light light everything in it like they don't really know what they're doing technically and it and if you go back and watch it, because I've seen it a zillion times, right at the very beginning, when you mentioned when they're in the uh, in the airport terminal and when Stryker comes in and he's running through, there's a scene right at the beginning. He's running through the, the terminal and the, and you can see it, it's kind of hard to notice because there's people all around him. One of the guys beside him is running along, picking up uh, cables, camera cables and running along, trying to get them out of his way. And the thing was, they didn't even realize that they shoot this movie, they get done, they go to edit. It, and they're like, uh oh. Oh, that's in the scene. You can see the guy running, public. Ah, well, it was too late. They couldn't go back and reshoot it and get everybody back, so they just left it in the movie. Like so they just wing it. <laughs> yeah, they just kind of wing the whole <laughs> thing. They just left it in there. So, I mean, like from a technical point of view, the movie is pretty funny and it's very original looking. Like I say, because of the hot lit, you know, sets and everything like that, and the wide shots and everything. But uh, I mm. want to give a shout out. You know, Keith Renshaw, good friend of the show, right? Yeah uh, he yep. said he sent me a message. He said, "Hey, you guys should be talking about airplane, airplane." And he's like, you know, he goes because he he, he finds himself in an interesting position listening to the show because his age is right between the two of us. So he's like, you know, I'm kind of in between you guys and I really like the naked gun. That's where, you know, I used to like. So i just like to just mention to him and anybody else and yourself too, anyone that's out there, if you like the naked gun, and you obviously... Yancey, you know about the Naked Gun before, you know, you came in and watched watched an airplane. But the thing is, the Naked Gun is not a standalone movie that these guys did. What happened was, that's based, you know, if you noticed, but it's called Naked Gun from the Files of Police Squad. So what they did was they did Airplane in 1980. The movie was so successful, they got a deal to do a TV show, a weekly, half-hour TV show, okay? So mm. they did a TV show called Police Squad, and it, it it only ran for six episodes of the spring of 1982. And, you know, of course, it's, it's a show about a police squad, go figure. And it's headed up by Detective Frank Drebin, and that's Leslie Nielsen, of course. And it only, like I say, after six episodes... They the the studio canceled it the, or the TV station. They were like, well, we're going to cancel this. It was too bad because it's become a cult favorite so much so that that's where they decide it was so popular. Those six episodes that that's where they made the movie of uh, the Naked Gun was based on. And the thing was, if you mm. could get a chance to watch it, it's just like Airplane. Looks the same, the same you know idea. But every week during the opening credits, like they would mention who the guest star was, and then right away you would see them that guest star die in the opening credits, and like it would be like. This week's guest, Florence Henderson. And she would be there and she just totally gets shot up by machine guns. And, they, and, and it's just so funny. And it's like, what? yeah. And this week's guest is William Shatner. And then all of a sudden, William Shatner rolls out of a car and he's got a knife in his back. And it's just they oh always gosh. died in the opening credits. In fact, just a little piece of trivia. I love that show so much. They actually shot one with Belushi, John Belushi, where he drowned in a pool. But he died in March of 1982. So they never ran that one in one of the six they did but the other thing they used to do at the beginning they'd say okay and this week's episode and it would say something on the screen like it would say this week's episode and on the screen it would say a substantial gift right but they would say this week's episode the broken promise they'd always like say the wrong thing like it was just oh it's crazy but anyway that's an aside police squad if you love the airplane you gotta watch police squad did you have there's so many did you have any favorite scenes from this? Anything that really stuck? Because you were texting me, like you said, back and
1: forth. You're like, oh my God, this is yeah. so funny, this scene, this scene.
0: What would you say were some of your favorite scenes? I got lots.
1: Um, Honestly, I, I think – I don't even know where to start. I love Kareem Abdul-Jabbar in this and I didn't realize that he was in this film. So as soon as I see him, I'm like, that's Kareem. And my wife goes, what? I'm like – that's Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. She's like, I don't know who that is. I'm like, he's only the leading scorer in NBA history. You know what I mean? Like, he was the man, you know. <laughs> She's like you know,
0: the kid where he's like, you know, my dad says you don't work hard enough on defense.
1: He's yeah, like, you I'm take, up there you busting you my buns every off. night.
0: He goes, tell your old man to drag Waltman linear up and down the court for 48 minutes. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, I love it, though, because he's like, like you said, like uh, it's, it's playing it straight and then it kind of jumps back to, you know, it's just – it turns into something that's completely absurd. So he basically says like, you know, no, I'm I'm the pilot. Look at my name tag. Look at my name tag. He's like, yeah, my dad says you don't play defense and you only try in the playoffs. The hell I don't, you know? And then all of a sudden he is Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Again. Like what's exactly. interesting is like, if you look, you know, I was reading the IMBD page just because I, I keep forgetting Leslie Nielsen's name and I didn't want to screw it up. So, like, I was looking through here, and if you look, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, it lists him in the cast as Roger Murdoch, but in quotations, it also says, as Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Right. So, it's Kareem playing Roger Murdoch, who's also Kareem, which was kind of interesting itself. so that was one of my favorite scenes. Um, I love all the wordplay in this. I love how, like, you know, it's clearance, Clarence, and vector, victor, and captain over, and roger, roger. Like, there's all that little stuff going on. Um, I love the old lady, how she's sitting there talking about whenever she sees Elaine. And she's like, oh, wow, she's beautiful. You know, supple, pouting breasts yeah. and fur <laughs> eyes. And it's just so yeah. random. You know, um, I think I sent you a picture um, just because, like, I couldn't believe it. I had to, like, rewind. But, you know, the the one pilot, he's in, like, the uh, the – lobby he's in like a bookstore of the airport and he's perusing the sections yeah. and if you look i didn't catch it at first but until i rewound it and saw it but the name of the section was whacking section whacking you know, as material in, yeah you know whacking material yeah. whatever oh my and the name of the magazine that he picks up and it's just like you know casually looking through it like it's like a, a you know good housekeeping magazine is uh what is it modern sperm yeah because <laughs> <laughs> there are so like blazing saddles i don't mean to just keep directly you know comparing the two films but like blazing saddles i this feels like it's a lot of like you said it's a consortium of really really um comedically gifted people who have been sitting on jokes just dozens and dozens of jokes <laughs> and they're thinking okay this may not have anything even tangentially related to an airplane or flying but how can we pack in as many of these jokes and puns and just really interesting scenarios as we possibly can um Real quickly, and I'll kick it back to you, but I think probably my favorite scene, like, talking about that was, you know, he does a flashback, and he's in some, you know, exotic location, and it shows them, like, this really rough and, you know, uh, you know bar where, like, people get in fights every single night, and right. these two, <laughs> these two women, like, I didn't the notice Girl it at guides, yeah. It. Yeah, they're <laughs> basically dressed as Girl Scouts, and they start fighting. <laughs> And you know, one throws the other one into a jukebox and then all of a sudden the BG start playing and it turns into this extended dance sequence that <laughs> the longer it, it lasted, the more I, I was laughing so hard I was crying. Yep. I'm like, come in, she's like, What is so funny? I don't get it, you know. You have
0: to watch it. You just have to And it's to, just yeah,
1: yeah it's, it's really hard to explain. I'm like, they're still dancing. Like, it's still going on. And I don't know why it was so funny, but it was that was probably my the the standout scene for me was the uh you know, the you know him basically being you know like a John Travolta character and dancing around so just because it literally had nothing to do with the film it was just something funny that they wanted to insert into it and it, it honestly it worked so so well and how
0: about that flashback when they were in the peace corps and then and and, the, and she's doing like a tupperware party with all the native women and the, and 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 they're all like looking at this tupperware like what the hell is this for <laughs> they have no idea they got like a bone in their nose and a plate lip <laughs> what the yeah. hell this Tupperware? and she's like or he teaches oh them
1: basketball he teaches yeah the he teaches the basketball <laughs> and he's
0: gonna teach him baseball but i like because she's she's explaining the tupperware to them and then she goes it'll keep hot dog buns fresh for weeks and they're like what the hell they've never seen a hot dog bun in their life and <laughs> then a couple other scenes I just love so much was, remember the, the little girl she's like six and then the little boy and he's dressed in a suit and she's all dressed nice and then he comes by and he's like would you like for some, have some coffee and she's like yeah of course would you like some cream and sugar and she's like no I take my coffee black like my men and it's just like, like, like yeah. who, who writes this stuff it's so funny um, yeah. so that scene I really liked um, what about the scenes with the, when the little boy uh, Joey goes up to the cockpit and starts talking to the captain and they just keep ramping it up every
1: time that they come back. Okay, so is he? Is he? Is it intentional that he's trying to sound like a basically like a a pedophile exactly. when he's like, you know, have you ever seen a grown man naked? And then he's like, what do you think about movies about gladiators? Like, yeah, have you ever spent just-
0: time in a Turkish prison? You know? Yeah. I've like hanging it, around the gymnasium.
1: <laughs> yeah. Talking about little things, too, um, this is one of those movies where, like, I think it does have a ton of rewatchability simply because there are so many things going on in the background, too, where, um, you know, I was able to catch some of them the first time, but I know I've missed some, like, uh, whenever before the plane takes off you see the African-American gentleman outside the plane and he's working on it. Like he's like a maintenance guy, a mechanic or something. Yeah, he's cleaning up the windows. And, yeah, he's cleaning the windows. And the funniest part is too, I don't know if you noticed, but like he takes out a dipstick, like an oil yep. dipstick, as if this Boeing 757 has a little oil dipstick like you'd find in like a lawnmower, you know, something like that. It's just, it's so stupid to me or, or you and know, you, oh, doc- sorry to interrupt. You
0: know who that guy was? Like, again, you're, you're not going to have any idea, but that, no, was, that was Jimmy Walker. So, so Jimmy Walker was in a, a show in the 70s called Good Times and he and he used to say dynamite and I know you're a millennial you're going to have no idea what that means but he was the guy that was like brushing off the window or wiping the window off and then fell off you know
1: I, I, I love that scene I love the really like I said I keep mentioning this but like just really clever wordplay where they're like are you nervous yes first time like as if you know to imply oh is it your first time flying yeah and he responds with no I've been nervous lots of times just like really you know it, it's clever it's it's like I don't know they're they're really simple word jokes, but they work so well. Like the doctor talking on the phone, where he's talking to Ham, but he's also talking to the Mayo Clinic. Yep. And at one point, he says, "You know, give me Ham on five, but hold the Mayo." Yep. You know, it's just <laughs> it's just dumb, but it. Like I said, I chuckled so many times. And this, there, were, there were a couple points where, like I said, the whacking section, when I saw that, maybe it's funnier because I am a male, um, I, I laughed so hard I cried for that. The dancing I, sequence, the I dancing laughed sequence, so hard. I like when,
0: when um, Elaine comes around and she's like she's giving out reading material to everybody. And she's like, would you like something oh to read? God. And the girl's like, do you have anything light? And she's like, how about this leaflet? Famous Jewish <laughs> sports legends. And it's like one little piece of paper. <laughs> it's like so crazy. So my favorite of all those those seeds are uh. my favorite thing. So my favorite are the – and they're my favorite two characters in the movie are the two guys that speak Jive. They are the best. I don't know who they are. Um, the, the, I call them Scott and Arthur. I refer to them as those because I think he kind of mentions it at one point. But what did you think of those two guys? Did like Was that not like the best?
1: It was the best. You remember at one point too I sent you a screenshot of it and I literally said – Man, I hope there's a lot more of these guys in the rest of the movie. And there really wasn't. So I Well, mean, they order
0: dinner, though. Remember when the, they order dinner and say, Hey man, that babe, I'll take some of that the grease side, chomp it on some butter, drag it through the garden. And it's like, I'll have the fish. And <laughs> he's like And you know, then I'll the older the white whole...
1: woman speaks drive yeah. back at them. And it's Barbara yeah. Billingsley.
0: So again, as a millennial, you probably don't know. The woman that they, they had to play that part, Barbara Billingsley, she was on Leave It to Beaver. Okay, she was she was June Cleaver. She was like the fifties idea across the United States of America of what a mom was. She was like the ultimate white oh. wasp mother. And so to get her to star in that role was what made it so funny because you got Barbara Billingsley, the, you know, the whitest, whitest, white woman in the world is on there talking jive with these guys. That's what made it so, 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 so funny. But those guys were my favorite, man. When they're talking, and the thing was, so when Zaz was got the they got the idea for those guys from watching Shaft. And I'm talking about the one from 1975 with Richard Roundtree, not the remake mm-hmm. that they did. So basically, they watched the movie Shaft and they were like, they had no idea what the hell these guys were talking about in that movie, and some of the scenes because some of the, some of the scenes in chat they're using slang, right? So, so, so Zucker, Abrams, and Zucker thought it would be funny what if they had some people in the movie that instead of just dropping a couple slang, <laughs> like the whole thing was slang, like all their words were just like this jive. And so what they did was they brought in Al White and Norman Alexander Gibbs to read for the part. They were the two guys that, that played the part, and these two guys came in prepared. So they came in with all of this like language, and they basically just started spewing it all and Zaz was like that's it you guys got the part you're in but oh man there was, and then I love the fact that they talk and it shows the subtitles you know, like it's like, oh, that honky must be messing with my old lady. Got it right like, cool upside down in his head. And it's like, that fellow should stay away from my wife. <laughs>
1: and, <it> was,
0: yep. <laughs> <laughs> and then he's like, yeah, pray to Jay. I get the same old, same old. I knew a man in a similar predicament. And then it's like, you know, say, like, hey, Scott, something say I won't say. Pray to Jay. I get the same old, same old. And then they're like, see abroad, get a booty yak, leg her down and smack him, yak him. And then it's cool got to be, you know, shit. Golly, and it's like, <laughs> like it's just the whole thing is just so preposterous. But then, like you said, there's a lot of like sight gags and stuff. Like when they said, "Oh man, they." It's really going to hit the fan,
1: and then it does. Like, <laughs> <a piece> of <laughs> of shit hits the fan, and it falls down. Like, it's, just,
0: it's just unbelievable. Like it just keeps going and going. Yeah. Oh man! I you think.
1: know what? You know what? One character that I think doesn't get enough love in this because um, I haven't heard you mention him once. It was the the flamboyant character. I think his name was Johnny. Oh Johnny!
0: Film. Oh, of course he was his great. Lines are so oh, fantastic. Man, he was so good. So he was in the Kentucky Fried Theater with those guys. He was an actor in that troupe, and he improvised all his lines in those scenes. They just basically turned on the camera and said, "Improvise, go." And he just improvised all the scenes. Like, oh man, like the fog's getting thicker and Leon's getting larger and all that. <laughs> and then remember when they said, well, what kind of plane is it? Well, it's a big, pretty white plane with stripes and curtains, and it looks like a big it Tylenol. It looks like a Tylenol, yeah.
1: <laughs> or, like, they, oh, they, they hand them, like, a stack of papers of, like, weather reports or whatever What do you make of like, Johnny? <laughs> it's like, I can make a hat, a brooch, a pterodactyl. It's just, it's so stupid. And you actually just answered one of the questions I was going to ask you was, you know, was there a room? Because, I mean, you mentioned that there was a, you know, it was a team of comedians who were writing this. So I assume most of the jokes were probably scripted, but... Did they leave a lot of room for that type of improvisation? You know, like you said, if all of his parts were, did they kind of have like free reign to add or take out whatever they wanted? As far as I know, the only time they did it was with Steven
0: Stucker. So they just let him go and improvise. Everyone else was was, was going off script. And I don't think there was a lot of improvisation that took place, believe it or not. I have a question for you as a millennial. Could this movie sure. get made today?
1: Um, I think, I don't know. I, we went back and forth with this on the on Blazing Saddles and you basically like talk me out of the idea of it being made at least in a, like a mass release. I mean, do people still make jokes about Jewish athletes? Yes, they do. Do people still like laugh about, you know, black people playing basketball? Yes, they do. Um, so like those type of jokes still exist. I think all of it packaged together like that, you know, in an almost two hour feature film, I think it would be a bit much. And, uh, uh <laughs> I mean, I don't know. It, I think think some of of
0: the scenes between the captain and the boy in the cockpit would never make it past the censors oh for sure and here's the other thing too so again go back to 1980 any guesses as to what the movie's rating was when when it was released uh, G,
1: general audience. Now,
0: G, G is like Disney movies and animated <laughs> movies. I mean, they, they, they say you know things in this movie. It was actually PG when it came out. As I mentioned before, they didn't have PG thirteen back then. They had you know G, PG, and R. Right. That was yeah. it, right? But it was actually PG related, which was amazing because I mean, when you think about it, there's a scene with naked breasts in it. They talk about abortion. Like there's, they use the word. But they never use the F word in it, right? So I guess. Mm-hmm. But I, don't well, I
1: mean, there's also there's also like you said, there's you know there's there's racial stereotypes. There's people actually killing themselves, you know. Whether or not you know people take that as a joke or not, but like a lot of people consider that pretty like dark, crude humor today. So like there would be some sort of like parental advisory warning, I think. So
0: so overall, so you, so you like the movie? How does it rank in the pantheon of comedic films for you now that you've seen it?
1: Okay, so. I I don't ever want to go, like, super high just because I know that something has, you know, a lot of historical, um, like, sway with people, knowing that, like, there's a huge swath of the population that already likes it, so I should like it, too, if I want to be, you know, seen as, you know, reasonable or that my opinion matters, but... Anytime a movie can make me laugh multiple times so hard that, like, I'm wincing and I'm gasping for air and I'm literally crying. Like I said, it, it did that with at least two of the scenes. And I was just steady laughing throughout this entire film. It was so funny. And, um, you know, I was kind of exposed with this to, you know, like a brand of comedy that I'm not typically exposed to. You know what I mean? Like, to, to hear all these different jokes about, like, really, really, like, edgy, edgy stuff. Um, and to see it throughout the course of the entire film, like they don't they don't take the pedal off the gas at all. So um, like I said, to elicit that strong of a response, like if a movie can make me cry and it's not Armageddon, which I cried at, I'm not too I'm not too proud to admit, it, but um, I mean I have to give it at least like a nine. I, I didn't think about the score ahead of time, but I mean if I put it if I give it a score, I, I think I'd give it like a 9.2, the 9.3, nearly perfect. I, there's only a handful of films I've ever seen, Chris, that I think I've laughed more. So,
0: okay. So my question is, what, I'm, I can't remember when we remember when we did our our comedy show about we ranked our our favorite comedy movies of all time, the funniest movies ever made. Do you remember mm-hmm. what was your number one?
1: Oh gosh, I can't see. That's so that's just off the top of your head. You just what
0: would you say from the millennial generation would be like one of the top comedy movies ever made?
1: Maybe like Forty Year Old Virgin or Super Bad. Okay, so one of those two. How do
0: it rank yeah. against those? Better, worse, before, after. What do you think?
1: Um, those movies, there weren't super – there weren't a ton of standalone uh, moments in those films that, like, gave me such a huge response, whereas with this one, I laughed at the entire thing, and it also had, like, gigantic moments for me. Um, so, I mean, I, I, I would have to put this above those, to be completely there honest you with it. you. This was, this was literally one of the funniest Ooh. movies I have ever seen. I it like really to was.
0: hear that. That's fantasy. Okay, time for some trivia. Fun with Yancey. Mm. Okay, so Yancey, it's over to you. You can ask me questions since it's my movie. It's my generation's film. Throw some trivia at me and see how well I know this movie.
1: All right. Um, um, So what is the name of the group of people who are asking for donations? Do you know the specific name? Was the Church of Religious Consciousness? Religious consciousness. Yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. Do you remember the name of the actress who actually played the jive lady who talked back jive to the two African-American gentlemen?
0: Yeah, as I mentioned to you already, it was Barbara Billingsley. Yes.
1: Yeah, so this is what's so difficult about this, Chris. <laughs> you know all of this stuff. Like I had like seven or eight questions written really? down, this and you basically touched base on almost sorry. all of them during the show. Sorry so. for reading that for you. No, it's okay. Um, while, while I'm stalling, like, very, very painfully, mm-hmm. what do you think of these the sequel to it? Because I didn't even realize that there was a second airplane to this.
0: Okay, so they came out with Airplane 2, the sequel, and I absolutely loved it. The idea was, what they did was, they decided to take a, a lunar shuttle to the moon, and in this one, they brought William Shatner in. Up until this point, William Shatner was, again, a serious, serious actor, and he reinvented mm-hmm. himself as sort of a comedic guy, and he went on to do a really, really famous uh, sketch on Saturday Night Live, where he was like, you know, move out of your parents' basements. And he, like, really did this sort of comedic thing, but this was, he was funny in that, that Airplane to the sequel, and one of the things is they bring back the jive guys, but they only bring back the one. They bring back, like, kind of the guy with the mustache and and the curly hair, and he, they bring him in to testify in court, and he's like, oh, man, he's like, man, the dude was on, because they bring him on to talk about Stryker. How did did Stryker perform, you know, in bringing the plane? He goes like, bro was on, man. It didn't trip. Wrap that sucker around a runway like a mother. Ha, it's just the jive thing all over again. Love it. <laughs> it's okay. So, but overall, you enjoyed the movie. You thought it was great, and that's really all that matters. Uh, so, so for next week, Yancey, it flips back to you, my friend. What millennial movie do you want to come back and discuss next week? What's your choice?
1: Okay, so you have been pretty consistent in you know 70s and 80s era comedies, and, and I will continue so far, to be. Yes, that's yeah, and so far it it has. Landed pretty well, I think I've, I've enjoyed all of those films Good. Um, I'm going to stay true to my brand and I'm going to give you a movie that is one of my favorite of all time and you know I've, it's well documented that I really really love science fiction um, and this next one is in that same vein uh, it came out in 2009 and it's a movie called Moon." Moon. Have you seen it never I've Moon. never even heard of it. It is, yeah, it didn't get a lot of play whenever it first came out. Um, it was kind of one of those like under the radar movies that made a couple like really trendy, like top 10 and top 20 movies of the year, but it wasn't a commercial success at all. Um, but it, like I said, one of my favorite movies, one of the most well done and intelligent, uh, just incredibly, incredibly well done film. So we'll break it down. Like I said, it, it was out in 2009. So there's a couple of titles, a couple of movies with the same title. You're looking for the one specifically in 2009. So okay.
0: is it as good as Capricorn one with OJ Simpson? You want to go uh, the moon? Nothing is. Uh, of be- course. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's a standalone <laughs> thing. Okay, so we'll come back next week. We'll talk about moon until then. Um, you can reach us on Twitter at Yancey Eaton or at C McBryan. Uh, you can always reach us at the website, popgoesyourworld.com. All our contact information is there. Shoot us an email, reach out to us, you know, be part of the show around here. And until next week, this is Chris McBrien for Yancey Eaton saying thanks for listening to Pop Gosher World, the pop culture podcast for the generations. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Pop Goes Your World podcast. Continue the conversation on Twitter at CMcbryan or at Yancey Eaton. Please consider leaving a review for the podcast on iTunes or wherever you download and listen to the show.